the podcast for the inquisitive diver. Hey there, dive buddies, and welcome to the season finale. Over the past 10 months, we've taken the plunge 18 times, and it's time for a short surface interval. I have a couple of peeps joining me in the studio today. The first is an old fella that's been on the show before, takes a bloody good underwater photo, and conveniently forgets every time it's his turn to buy the beers. We'll get to him in a moment. The newbie, diving right in, is arguably Sea Shepherd's number one fan, has a raucous laugh to challenge any of us in the studio, and is one of my good dive buddies right here in Sydney. But I don't even know her surname. Hi, Alisa. Hi. Hi, Don. Good day. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Do you want to know my surname? Yeah. Lisa Rebeck. Oh, it is Rebeck? Yeah. I thought it was abbreviated or shortened so that you had some kind of, you know, difficulty trying to find you on social media and stuff like that. Well, I'm Lisa Marie, so that, yeah, I just use that. So no one really knows my surname. Yeah. Oh, I found the Rebeck somewhere. It was on one Mm. of the social things. But I thought it was like it was shortened from Rebecca or something like that. Could be, yeah. I do sometimes get emails, dear Rebecca. (laughs) Brilliant. Well, seeing as you're the newbie on the show today, um, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, a background on who you are and what you're doing here? Okay. So I love the ocean. I love scuba diving, and that's how we met through our connection with scuba diving. I happen to be a very big supporter of Sea Shepherd, and quite recently, I have been made a coordinator of the Sydney South chapter. So there was the Sydney chapter, but that's been divided into two because it's such a huge area to cover. So I've now been split and been given my own chapter so we can concentrate with raising funds down in the south. So so being a chapter... Does that mean they have to wear a leather waistcoat and ride a motorbike? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the future. <laughs> no, but um, definitely have the wardrobe. I think I own every Sea Shepherd merchandise known to man. So, yep. <laughs> Excellent. Well, congratulations on getting your own chapter. Thank you. So we're in the works of setting that up. So I've been doubly busy this week trying to do that. So exciting things happening. We're recovering. We're recovering from after COVID. So there's been quite a few events that have been cancelled as a result of COVID. So we're hopefully getting more of a presence in Sydney. Yeah. And so I would because uh, I'm relatively new to the Sea Shepherd kind of thing in Australia, but. I would have thought that Sydney would have had quite a strong presence because I've always seen on your social media like the the markets and stuff mm. like that. Um, so, but it needs it needs bolstering, eh? It does because Sydney is such a huge area to cover. There is, and as you know, Sydney traffic is crazy. So, <laughs> you need to you need different areas of concentration. So, Sydney's actually cut up of. Central Coast, where they have lots of events there, and then we've mm. got the Sydney area, and I'll cover the south, so down to Cronulla, Wollongong, all the way down to Jarvis. We've got a couple of volunteers down there. So okay, and how did how did that happen? How did you um, uh, get the gig? Uh, did they come to you? Well, that's an interesting story. Um, I've been involved with Sea Shepherd for a couple of years now, and I have pretty much gone to them and said, I'd like to do a market here. And I've just been slowly but surely creeping my way in, doing markets here and there. And and then I eventually got to have merchandise 
at my house so that I can do my own markets. Um, yeah, and then they've just said, well, hey, you're doing it already. Do you kind of want your own subchapter and concentrate on that area? And Sydney will con- concentrate on their area and Central Coast will con- concentrate on them and, yeah, build it. Especially. Have you met the man, Paul Watson, yet? <gasps> That's the dream. Yeah. No, no, I haven't. Mm, it's quite a... Quite a character, isn't he? He certainly is. Certainly is very, very passionate. Have really? you seen what's in the film? No, I haven't. No, it's a very, it's a great film. So it speaks about how he was the co-founder of Greenpeace. So then he broke away and he started Sea Shepherd. Right. Yeah, and the rest is history. So I implore you to watch it. It's oh. it's amazing. I mean, is yeah. it on Netflix or where, where can you see it? It's you can stream it, I believe, on Amazon. Uh, yeah, I think so. so. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's Amazon. a few. There's a few streaming, yeah, but unfortunately, it's not on Netflix. Okay, I'll find it. Yeah, there, but, was, a, there was a couple on uh, YouTube. I saw the, the other day. Yeah, there's quite a few on YouTube. So mm. there would be um, Chasing Thunder on YouTube, mm. Mm. which is one of the Sea Shepherd campaigns. It's yeah. They were chasing. It's quite amazing what they do, isn't it? Really, they, uh, you know, so committed. Absolutely, absolutely. So my role is fundraising. So she, she does it quite well, mate. To give you a bit of a backstory, <laughs> she got some money out of you. She must. Be oh good. yeah, she got it straight away, mate. <laughs> it's my um, gift. <laughs> we <laughs> we kind of got we we got put in touch with each other from uh, a mutual mate from when um, I was doing some uh, some runs down to Mogo and Cobargo last year when the when the bushfires were on, and the mutual mate um, said, oh, you, you should meet this chick. She's a, she's a diver as well, so you've got to know each other. Of course, I've got to know every diver in the world because right. we're divers. Yeah. Um, so uh, we ended up um, all getting together and, and going for the first dive, and the very first, well, within five minutes of rocking up, she pulls up in her ute, pulls down the, the, the back tail end and says, oh, I've, I've got some T-shirts and some hoodies and I've got a 5XL that I've never been able to get rid of. Do you want it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this was during COVID, so that's how we stayed afloat and ended up raising money. It was just through our online merchandise and Sea Shepherd are very passionate, so they speak for themselves and we have such great supporters. So, mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And Lisa, Lisa's other half rolled. He gets uh, Christmas and birthdays. It's all Sea Shepherd stuff. <laughs> he's, he's sponsored by Sea Shepherd. When he goes diving. <laughs> all, the, all the sizes don't fit him as yeah. well. It's really, really coincidence, isn't it? Yeah. And there are so many shirts that he's yet to get. Oh, I bet he's over the moon with that. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah. Yeah. And so. well, uh, just moving away from Lisa yeah. for a second. Um, for those people that haven't listened to. Uh, I can't even remember the episode number now. I think it was 16, 15 think or 16. Yeah. Um, Don was on then. But uh, since then, uh, Don's moved up into the, the the realms of being the gods of, of, of scuba diving. Oh, I wish. What's the, what's the, new, <laughs> what's the new news, dude? Uh, well, I've been appointed as a senior travel editor for uh, Scuba Diver magazine. The, the All three editions, the uh, ANZ one, uh, the UK and the, uh, the US one, which is a... Great step forward for me. I, um, I'm quite uh, passionate about writing about the things I, I do and the things I've seen and what it all means. Um, and uh, this is just a great 
it's kind of a win-win opportunity. They they were looking for somebody to contribute on a broad scale, shall we say, mm. uh, which kind of aligned with all the stuff I've been doing and all the stuff I hope to do going forward. So uh, I've got uh, the first of I've got the front cover of the UK edition with an article on uh, the oceanic white tips of Cat Island, and uh, the next two. Uh, issues will have uh, the hammerheads from uh, Bimini and then Tiger Beach will be the third one. Yeah. And then I've been doing all the stuff with the um, uh, Australian New Zealand one. I've had uh, numerous articles in there and about five, four or five front covers, which have been wow. great. You know, it's uh, front covers are, uh, you know, the big prize, you know, and you kind of. You know, you can show your mum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she'd be so proud. Oh, well. <laughs> if, well only she, if only she could see me now, you know. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's, it's uh, you know, for a photographer, it's a big thing to get a front cover. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy about it. They, they play win-win. And, and uh, yeah, we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, t- exactly. We'll see where it takes us. Mm. Um, you know, as the travel editor, I'm sure you're going to go places. And, you know, I'm very good at carrying bags. Scuba tanks. <laughs> well, actually, can you take a ticket because there's a queue? <laughs> Do you need any Sea Shepherd t shirts? <laughs> Thought you'd never ask. <laughs> see, told you she was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see it now. We were actually, see, Sea Shepherd have a campaign called the Apex Campaign. Have you heard of it? No. So oh, 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 oh. oh, that means that you've not you've not listened to this podcast other than you. <gasps> you mean there's, there's, one, there's other ones? I, I had no idea. I've been listening to my same one day after day. I had no idea there was something else out there. Oh my goodness! Yeah, shame on you. You're not coming on again. <laughs> it's only been two weeks. I've listened to it every day. <laughs> Guess what you're doing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, oh, clearly. Sorry, carry on, Lisa. So carry just on. in a nutshell, because I, I won't go on a big spiel, but the Apex campaign is um, targeting non-lethal methods for shark control. So getting rid of shark nets and drum lines, which cause a lot of harm and, and deaths to marine animals Absolutely. as well as sharks. So the Apex campaign campaigns for non-lethal methods to for you know people to be safe in the ocean but also to not harm sharks and you know predominantly other marine species that seem to be caught up in in these drum lines and shark nets which well, is it's, not it's horrendous the the damage that's been done by all this you know the long liners and the just the whole thing of of the way that sharks have been the indirect victims but on a huge scale mm. a massive scale uh, so that, for me, uh, was the big thing of going to the Bahamas, was there were sharks. Everywhere else you go, you're lucky if you see them. Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, it's it's you're lucky if you see them. Yeah. But when you get to the Bahamas, because of everything they've done there, it's not a perfect thing, uh, but it's a lot, it's the best I've personally seen in the, terms of, the, you know, the sharks there. Yeah. And the, and the income for the local community yeah. must be huge. It, the, the the economic benefits of of a live shark versus a dead shark are significant, mm. very significant, and and the thing is when you remove, I mean the sharks are there, as Jim Abernathy uh, said to me uh, once. Uh, Jim Abernathy is uh, one of the pioneers of Tiger Beach. He said that you know the the role of the shark is to clear up the dead, the dumb, and the dying. Yeah, which sounds like a great soundbite, but they've got a real role to play because if they're not there. 
everything gets out of kilt. It's a fine balance. Yeah. Absolutely. It's an absolutely fine balance, and they, they have a role to play. Yeah. And you take them out, 90% of are said to have gone, mm. uh, then everything gets thrown out of balance. The marvellous thing is what you see in the Bahamas is how they can come back strongly when we get out of the way. When we stop doing all these things that you're referring to, mm. they have a tremendous capacity to rebuild. So th- there is hope out there. Mm. But we well, have to stop doing these things. Yeah, we have to get the crap out of the water. I mean, uh, the the podcast that you didn't listen to mm-hmm. <laughs> yet, yet was uh, was uh, Lisa's compadre up in Queensland, Jono, and he's the coordinator for the Apex campaign. Uh, and he goes into detail about the the long lines, the, the the drum lines, and the the nets. And it doesn't take a genius to work out that if you put a bloody big fish head on a honking great hook, you're going to get something big. And if you leave a net dangling in the water, you're going to get something big eventually. And unfortunately, it's not just sharks, like Lisa said. Yeah. You know, there's been a log of head turtles. All the bycatch. Everything. It's horrendous. Mm. And, and the thing is, it's unseen. We we don't see it. Yeah. Well, that's what the Apex campaign is trying to do. Because John will go out on the rib with a team. And if they find something in the nets or on the on the hooks, they'll go down with the cameras and they'll record it and get, and get you know, you know, pretty crappy evidence not crappy as in poor quality but you know yeah in your face not 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 what we like to see exactly but it's, yeah. it's actually what we do need to see it's, it's absolutely what we need to see because we're the lucky ones we get to go underwater mm. uh, everybody else doesn't and I just doesn't know could you try again Whoa. Involved. that's that's done buying the beers on the next one yeah <laughs> <laughs> So where was I? <laughs> we get to see this stuff. Yeah. If we're lucky as divers. Mm. Uh, the vast percentages of the population have no idea. Mm. But it's serious stuff. Mm. It really does matter. Yeah. What does the Bahamas do so well? Well, they were one of the first uh, countries to set up uh, marine protected areas, MPAs, right? So, and then they um, they have over, I think, a million square miles of of area because, you know, the Bahamas is a lot, you know, there's islands, but there's a lot of sea. Hmm. Um, but they were one of the first nations to set it up, which, given the benefit of hindsight, was a phenomenal far-sighted decision. And then they, I think they were the fourth nation to, to create a shark sanctuary. So there's no take of any sharks. And uh, the population has rebounded. The first time I, I, I went there was to Tiger Beach, which is in Grand Bahama in the north. And I, I just couldn't believe it when we pulled up that there was all these sharks around the back of the boat. You don't see that anywhere else. I've never seen it anywhere. Mm. And... Um, it's quite intimidating your first time getting in. You're thinking, oh, my God, you know, all these shark fins, is, you know, it must be dangerous. And then you get in and there's sharks everywhere. They're there in that area because it's a known aggregation point and also yeah. some of the boats feed. Yeah. So they turn up snacking, right? And then you get – it's the place to see tiger sharks. That's why you go there. That's the hell the name, Tiger Beach. Um, but they're there because – there's plenty of food and it's a safe zone for them. And the the, the, the number, the magnitude, the number, the size is, is, is mind-boggling, really, if, if you're used to diving everywhere else, where you typically don't see a lot of sharks. You might see one or two sharks, but you won't see a lot. Whereas there, they're, 
you know, they're everywhere. Getting a free feed. And no nets on the beaches. No. Great. But no. That's nice. it. They're not needed. Because, mm. uh, well, nets. And it's not allowed. Ha- it's it's a right. shark sanctuary. There's yeah. nothing there. Yeah. And the drum lines. What, I, what did astound me when Jono was going on about the drum lines is how close they are to the surfers. And they put, a, you know, they put bait on a hook to entice a shark to chomp on the hook when it's, you know, a stone's throw from the surfers that they're trying to protect. It's just false. Yeah. They're actually luring in stuff that is going to cause a problem for us. Someone's going to get snagged. Mm. You know? mm. um, I do have to actually, there's, there's two bits of info I want to shout out about. One is continuing on from Apex Harmony because that gets a shout out on a documentary that's coming up. In July, I think it's been premiered. Is um, that Envoy Shark Carl? That's the one. 21st of July there, Matt. There you go. <laughs> Boom, straight on it. But that's um, I've been chatting to the, the director, Andre Borrell, and um, I, I'm pretty stoked he's going to come on the show as and when it launches. Excellent. Um, but it's it's got Eric Banner on there that's oh, narrating yeah. it all, and it's focused on Apex Harmony and, and the impact of what Australia is doing with the sharks around its coastline, isn't it? Yeah, it'll be in cinemas all around Australia. And the world, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it can get as much momentum as Seaspiracy because we have seen a lot of interest in the ocean since Seaspiracy's mm. mm. come out, which is a positive. Mm. So change needs to happen. It's, it's probably going to be really good timing, actually. Mm. Was it six, seven, eight months on from Seaspiracy when it launches? Yeah, absolutely. Will it still have momentum? And you can get your Sea Shepherd merchandise <laughs> at cinemas. As it happens. <laughs> you beauty. Just had to throw that in there. Um, and the second bit of info I want to share with you is we've got to give a huge shout out to uh, Robin Gallagher. Do you know who that is? No. I haven't a clue. No clue. No, because they, there's, there's not a lot known about this person. But this person is actually an ambassador for um, a charity called Shark Guardian. And mm. they petitioned UK government because uh, it, was, it was found out that you could legally import 20 kilos of shark fin in your luggage as a traveller into the UK. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. 20 kilos, and it was legal. So the petition said, this is dog shit, it should stop, in a nutshell. And Shark Guardian jumped on on board and and ran with it, and Brendan and Liz have been relentless in hounding down, um, you know, sponsorship signatures, and we had to get 100,000-plus signatures, and it was success, um, which then saw it get, mentioned in parliament in the uk and subsequently we've now got the information and uh, brendan was chatting with me this morning that um they're now going to ban all import and export because they were exporting shark fin from the uk yay so it's a huge success and it's all down to this one person robin gallagher Thank you, Robin Gallagher. Yeah. Fantastic. They, yeah. th- these things are so important, uh, raising, the, uh, raising the awareness of the general public about yeah. what's happening. 
the the best example I can think of is uh, Yao Ming. Have, have, do you know who who he is? Nope. Oh yes, I do actually. Yeah, the, the, he used to play for the I think it was the Houston Astros. He's yeah. seven foot five. Yes, uh, yeah, can't miss him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I could, I could walk underneath him. You know? <laughs> um, so he's he returned to China and he's a megastar there because of his success he had in in the US uh, basketball. Mm. And uh, Wild Aid managed to convince him to um, be the spokesperson locally to stop uh, eating shark fin soup. Hmm. And he's been phenomenally successful. So to the point where the it seems to be having an, you know, an overall impact uh, on the decline of the, in demand for shark fin. Hmm. Because it's to the point where... Um, sort of the the younger generation, shall we say, uh, he's iconic to them. Yeah. So when he says "don't do," it, and and some of the imagery they use and they explain it, you know, it's really well done. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's having it, it, it's to the point where it's frowned upon now with the younger generation there in China, whereas before it would have been seen as uh, something you needed to do to. You know, to to show that you've got some money, yeah, you can afford this stuff. That's the mm. way it works there. And uh, he's done a phenomenal job. It's just amazing what can be done if you change that public perception. Mm. Mm. I'd like I'd like to see more on that. Actually, I've I've not seen many reports on it, um, but I did see the. You know, I think it was a while ago now. Probably a I, year I, ago. I just looked it up today. I was writing something um, as you do. You know, when you're yeah. a senior travel editor. Oh, you know, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, drop that one in there. <laughs> as you do, you just, know. Ma- just mention that to you. Mention that to your bag carrier again. <laughs> I, c- I couldn't, you know. Did I mention that about senior? No. Anyway, um, so I was just fact checking actually to see if it was still there. And I went to Wild Aid and um, uh, Yao Ming, and it's, it's still there. It shows it, it explains it really well on uh, on their on their site. Mm. Uh, I just think it's a great example of taking a high profile individual who commits to doing something for you and changes that public perception and drive at the end of the day unless you drive down that demand they'll always you know the bad people will always find a way to make money out of it yeah mm. right but if the demand declines then they'll move on to something else yeah mm. didn't he also advocate for not eating whale meat as well so i think that's that's I'm declined not sure about, as well. I, I don't think uh, eating whale is a big thing in China, isn't it? In, in Japan, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah huge, Japan. And I think, you know, people don't know, but Norway also do whaling yeah, yeah. as well, but yeah. everyone always points the finger at Japan. Yeah, so well. I think that, yeah, there has been like the younger generation turning against yeah. eating whale as well, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, it's just it's mm. not popular, which is good. Good for win for the whales. Mm. How's, how's that coffee? It's tea. Is it tea? It's tea, yeah. Is it is it like a hippie tea or something? Or is it oh no, one? it's just black tea. It's okay. It's doing its job. How's your goat beer there, Rod? I'm going good. Rod, Do we need Don, to get yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rob? Where, where is Rod? We need a refill. <laughs> oh, we got a Rob. Oh, we got a Rob. Yeah, yeah. We we've got uh, Lisa's other half quietly sitting in the background. Um, so yeah, he can be he can be refill man. Did did we tell you what happened on Saturday night? You're going to get a little bit, you know. Naughty, naughty. Okay, is is this okay for airing? It is. <laughs> I will actually, you be the judge of that. Um, so I think we did. We were planning on going diving on Sunday, but that had to be benched. 
because <laughs> we went ice skating on Saturday night and I thought I was doing really amazing until I had a bit of a slide and I fell on my coccyx, mm-hmm. my tailbone. Mm. Did, did, you, did you laugh, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> I think there. on the inside. <laughs> that really freaking hurts. To be honest, you probably didn't miss much about because you were going to go um, Shelly Beach, weren't you? Yeah, mm. yeah. I don't, was... I don't think you're going to miss much. No, apparently the conditions have been rubbish, like in Sydney. Yeah, even just yeah, it looked really rough at Cronulla. Well, so, someone's been posting, you know, um, satellite imagery. You know, when all we had all the rain, mm. you could see all the um, rubbish coming out of the estuaries mm. and i was up in hawkesbury yesterday and i stopped by uh, there's a, a beautiful little spot bridge going over it uh, stop stop and have a stretch of the legs and i was there six weeks ago and in between then and now i think the water levels probably raised up by about four to five meters really so many trees that have been washed yeah so they've fallen over um and it's honking through the water is Thick chocolate brown, and it's just honking through. Meanwhile, I was talking to a friend in from Byron today, oh, 15 to 20 metres viz. Which friend was this? This was Andrew. Do I you know he's Andrew? A, oh, he, he's one of the locals that dives weekly. Okay. At oh, one of the Sun Dive, Sun Dive what? Dive Centre, which is our favourite <laughs> dive partners. Um, Andrew, the old, he's an old boy. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think I dived with him a few months ago. He's part of Apex. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was talking to him today and he said dive conditions were amazing and, yeah, yeah. no one likes a bragger. No. <laughs> the, 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 the impact of that, all that flood water, I saw it uh, firsthand the uh, week before last night, I, I spent a couple of days at uh, Nelson Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's some great, There's my one of my favourite sites there is Fly Point, uh, which is, you know, it's a protected area and it's just phenomenal what's there when you uh, i was really i'd heard about it years ago and since i've been back in australia i've been up there a few times and i, I was just blown away the first time i got in the, the you know the diversity the color the all the sponges and it's just fantastic but the uh because of all the f- fresh water the f- yeah. down to about seven meters there's nothing it's just all gone yeah completely gone all the kelp and just just nothing mm. what like literally wiped out wiped out because of all the, oh, it's wow. just all the fresh water has gone through, and killed everything. Wow! Mm. Which is, I mean, it's a natural thing. It's not. It's not. Uh, you know, it will, it's not the first flood, is it? So it will come back. But yeah. the impact of this, you know, what you're saying about the the water coming down the Hawkesbury, yeah. Uh, the anything that's, you know, it's a seawater environment won't last long in fresh water. Yeah. Bloody hell. Hmm. See, I've, I've been meaning to do fly point so many times. Where is that? It's Nelson just, Bay. Just, north of Nel- just the north side of Nelson Bay. Because yeah. what did we... Have you done the Looking Glass? Uh, at uh, Broughton Island. No, no very, Island. I've done Broughton Island, but when I've been out there, we hard to get on it. You know, it's uh, you need the right conditions, and it's never been right. When mm. So I tend to, when I go up there, I just concentrate on fly point because it's so good. Mm. Mm. Um, it's still good below seven metres. Uh, the... You know, obviously that top layer was where all the fresh water came mm. came out, and it's killed everything. But it'll come back; it'll grow back. Mm. Uh, but down below seven meters, it's still very uh, vibrant. But a lot of the critters have gone. There was all sorts of stuff there before. Yeah. But uh, clearly, that's had a, an impact. But it will come back. Yeah. You know, it's a natural cycle. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, in fact, I saw some of your social media this week. Um, how much did you ask Twitch when you saw that eel, the estuary eel or whatever? <laughs> oh, that was a fly point, I, yeah. I literally saw my first one like four weeks uh, well, ago. Well, so did I. That was I, it. I, I, I had to take a double take of it. I was like, what the hell is that thing? <laughs> well, it was, it was the, the funny thing was I was looking at something else and – you know, you get that feeling that somebody's looking at you. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I turned around and it was like, what the? <laughs> so it's, this is a, I can't remember the scientific name, but it's a, an estuary eel, which is like a, a cross between a moray and a catfish. It's got the face of a catfish and oh, nice. the body of a moray eel, and it's yellow in colour. It looks like it's been eating too much kelp over its life, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it was, uh, it was behind me. Apparently, they, they, you've got to be careful because they've got poisonous spines on the back. Uh, but uh, I just didn't know what the hell it was. I'd never yeah. seen anything like it before. Yeah. Um, and I spent the whole dive with it. Uh, it you know, I'd go off and it'd disappear and it'd come back out again. And, and that image you're talking about was it uh, It took a shine to itself in the dome port of my... Yeah. I mean, so I put the dome port the camera down. I could see it was interested. Yeah. So I kind of, I thought I'd put the dome, it was pretty down, and it just came forward and came forward. In the end, it was just right on the dome, looking at itself, couldn't yeah. quite work out, you know, <laughs> who's that good-looking fellow there, you know? <laughs> yeah, interesting. Oh, I mean, my missus was uh, closer to the one that we saw, mm. you know, we're budding along, I'm on her, left, uh, on her left side. And I pointed it out, <clears throat> I was like, oh, I get, you know, indicate, get some film of it. And her eyes just said the one thing. <laughs> Sod off. <laughs> she wasn't going anywhere near it. You go. You go. <laughs> Are they known to be aggressive? Um, apparently not. Apparently they, they 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 have these some poisonous mechanism. I believe it's spines on the on the on the like a bit of a dorsal film that runs down the their back, uh, which are as I said poisonous. But they spend from uh, the various comments that were on my post indicate that they spend most of the time hidden under ledges and what have you. Mm. So you would no, the short answer is no, they're not they're not aggressive unless you annoyed them, I guess. Mm. Um but this one was out roaming around. And um There you go, Lisa, that's his, that's the photo. Oh. Exactly. Yeah, look at that. If if you were gonna dress up at Halloween, it would be that, wouldn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you been to the Maldives? Has any of you been to the Maldives? Oh, years ago, yeah. Did you ever do that dive off the back of the tuna factory? No. no. There's this dive that they do off the back of the tuna factory and it's it's just within, uh, I want to say, about eight metres of water. Um, so from five to eight metres of water and then they're just these massive fat moray eels because they just hide in their little caves and they just wait for the bits of tuna heads to come in and they just feed and they're massive. And then you've got rays coming through and it's just – you just have to just sit there and film. Yeah, it's just it's a, a lot. It's a free feed, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. But I couldn't get over the size of these massive big eels. Have you, have you heard of the uh, – I, 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 I'll try and match that and raise you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a place in Ambon called the Twilight Zone. Have you ever heard of that one? Uh, no. I've heard of it, yeah. So it's the uh, – uh, in Ambon, uh, the, uh, there's a huge uh, natural harbour there. And uh, on the – I think it's on the west side is the Perdomina jetty for the aircraft fuel that comes into the nearby airport. That's right, yeah. And there's a large um, kind of fishing fleet who, who moors up there, that, that moors up there. Hmm. And they go out at night – 
and catch everything, bring it back in, and then they fill it all and throw all the stuff over the side mm. while they're moored up. And then, so you've got all this stuff coming down, and then um, it's terrible as such in Ambon because they throw everything into the sea. You know, if you're coming up from the band of the sea, you know you're getting close, you see all the plastic bags. What they do is they, mm. or they used to, I don't know if it's changed, but the you know the the rubbish would be in a plastic bag and they throw it on the beach and it'd be gone in the morning. Yeah, it's all drifting out. So you you knew you were getting close to Ambon because the number of plastic bags would increase in the water in places you were diving. Yeah. So they have this terrible habit of throwing everything in the water. But the twilight zone is this mixture of all this stuff, this tires and all sorts of stuff thrown off the jetty, and then every day there's this organic stuff that rains down for all the fish guts and all, you know. So you get these huge mores and everything else mm. uh, that lives in this. And it, well, it, once you're there, you know how we got its name, the Twilight Zone, because it is. It's really weird. Well, there's <laughs> fishing boats, and you got the sunlight coming down, and then every so often, they, you know, there'd be all this stuff <laughs> coming over the side. All the mores would come out, just mm. like you said. They're really fat and yeah, quite aggressive. Well, I, I was on. Um, in fact, where, when were you last in Ambon? About six years ago. Yeah. Okay. All right, so it's a, it, it, it's a lot cleaner than what it was back then. Um, I was there September, October 2019. Oh, really? It's cleaner? Yeah. Oh, that's um, good. Well, mm. I, I was based out of uh, Spice Island Divers. Oh, yeah. Big shout out for Ronnie there. Um, but the dive sites that we did, um, was it four, four days we were there? Mm. And we dived four or five dives a day. And there was very little rubbish so they've, I think everyone's clubbing together to actually oh, that's very make positive. much more of an effort, and um, it's certainly a lot better than what it was. Yeah, it was horrendous. The, um, when I first went there in about 2008, uh, coming up from the Van der Sea, and as I say, the, the, you, you just knew you were getting closer. At first I didn't know what mm. all this stuff was, and I realised old plastic bags and rubbish, and, yeah. mm. but where's it coming from? And when we got into uh, Ambon, I asked about it. Where's well, so, you know? People said, "Well, that's how people get rid of rubbish here." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You just put the plastic bag on the beach at night, and in the morning it's gone. Where's, yeah. where's what's the problem? Mm. Come on, Amy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Refills. Beer delivery. Cheers, Rob. So I have a question. Uh, where do we think diving's going to go next year? Once the, I mean, all the indications are that things should get better and we should be able to start travelling again. But what's your opinions? <sighs> Do you want to go first? Yeah, well, I think they're really going to push the fact we're going to have to have a vaccine. I think that's, yeah. And it could either go both ways. It could be really expensive or it could be really cheap. I think um, there's so many avenues it could go down. And I'm hoping it doesn't go down the detrimental ones for the operators. There's so many dive operators that are out there now that are really struggling really and suffering, yeah. putting you know food on the table for their families and their employees' families and trying to maintain everything. So difficult. And I'm just hoping that when people do get the availability to go to different locations, that they don't expect super cheap diving and accommodation and all that kind of stuff. If anything, we've all been sat in lockdown. The people should be, or the customers that want to go diving, should have saved their monies up so that they can pay more. 
I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. It's it's kind of incumbent upon us if you if you are into dive travel mm. to get out there and support these people who you know those that make it through those operators. I mean, there's no plan B, is there? If you're under a dive operation, everything revolves around people turning up. Mm. That's it. Yeah. That that you can't pivot to much else, can you? Really, you know, you might be you might be lucky and be able to do something to keep some food on the table, but it's not sustainable in the longer term, mm. even the medium term. And we're getting into the medium term now. Mm. You know? Yeah. Uh, so uh, those that make it through. It's incumbent upon us to to get out there and, and support them, and don't don't be nickeling and diming them. You know, we yeah. need to help them, yeah. just like we've done with the Australian operators. Mm, absolutely, the Australian operators seem to be doing okay. Yeah, you know, popular spots are booked out months in advance now here yeah. in Australia, uh, yeah. which is a good thing. But it's the operators around Asia, Southeast Asia, that are really doing it tough. And once we can travel. We should travel. Yeah, I 100% agree. Oh, you know? I miss those dive trips where you just have to pretty much just put on your gear. <laughs> yeah, just drop into the <laughs> those water. Those amazing boat staff that just put your gear together and change your tanks and help you out of the – oh, I miss those times. They'll come back. I know. They'll right. come back strong. There's the, yeah. the a huge pent-up demand. People are just like so over. We, we, we've adjusted to it. And we're making the most of it, but there's like this huge pent up demand to go and do something. Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as we can, we should. I, I'm over Great. getting in a five mil wetsuit, and uh, you know it's a bloody big five mil wetsuit at my size, freezing me nuts off for an hour to, in in two or three meters viz. I want to be in thirty meter water with my board shorts on. <laughs> yeah. I've got kind of used to it now. I, I'm adjusted. I, I'm going down to South Australia next week. Next. Uh, Next Tuesday. Oh, you're but... going watching your sex show, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that's next month. I'm going back Wyala. again. Next month. Oh, Wyala? Let me qualify this in case my wife is listening. <laughs> <laughs> the sex show is the great uh, Australian cuttlefish aggregation in Wyala. So it starts. It's Apparently, it's just getting going now. And uh, I'm spending a couple of days there. I'm, actually, I'm going on uh, Rodney Fox, uh, Great White Sharks. And then... A friend of mine and, and I, we're going to do a couple of days at Tumby Bay and then uh, for the Leafies and mm. then drive up to YL, have a couple of days right at the start of the season because uh, it's different dynamics at, at the beginning. Uh, and then I'm going back next month for a week in YL to it's, it, it's the for me it's the best. It's mm. uh, and not it's you know it is all about the sex, but it's interesting dynamics. <laughs> up there. It's very interesting dynamics. And uh, as I said last week, it. Last, on the last podcast, it reminds me of this disco I used to go a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Back in Runcorn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's um, that's cold water because yeah, yeah. it doesn't get going until the water's down. So I think it's about 17 degrees. Yeah. So, yeah, you're freezing. You, you, <laughs> you really are freezing your nuts off down there. But yeah. it's good. It's fantastic. It's, there's some great diving here in Australia. You don't have to go up yeah. north. There's some great stuff down south. Well, I, th I think, mm. you know, since we're talking about travel and getting away, I think, you know, domestic diving, if you look at particular locations around the world, has done very well. Yeah. Because people are yeah, forced yeah. into you right. know, diving more locally. And it's opened a lot of eyes on, on what's available on your doorstep. And Absolutely. I think we're very, very lucky here. You know, joking aside, of getting cold. 
uh, we are very lucky with the diversity that we've got. There's some great. I, I, my personal favourite is uh, is South Australia. Uh, it just has a unique combination of stuff down there. You, it's not the easiest of locations logistically. You've got mm. to get yourself organised and and to do it. But once you're in the water, uh, there's some quite unique things to see down there. Mm. Leafy sea dragons. Yes, leafies. Have you seen one? I've yet to see yeah, one. Yeah, if you if you Google it, you'll find my you'll find my page. <laughs> I know, I, I know. Google <laughs> Don Shellcock. <laughs> I will. I know. I feel like I'm so sorry, Don. No, no they're, they're they're wonderful creatures, but they're not the easiest. You you can be looking at them and not see them. Wow. Uh, if they're depending where they are, uh, but if they're in the uh, corkweed, as they call it. You can be actually looking at them and not seeing them. People mm. going, look, punch, and you went, what, what's the point in that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had that in um, Lembe a few years ago. Uh, Lembe Strait, it's all macro, and it's super macro. There's yeah. tiny, tiny stuff. So my eyes are focused on looking for, you know, grains of sand for a week. And um, we come on this particular dive site, and the, the, the dive guide was, you know, indicating that there's a frogfish, and he's pointing. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, I can't see no bloody frogfish. What's, it, what's he pointing at? So I question him, and he, he indicates again and points. No, nah, can't see it, mate. And this is all obviously hand signals underwater. But uh, and, and then he points out and indicates the area of a dinner plate, and it was a giant frogfish. So I'm looking at its toenail. Uh, ah. <laughs> it was a monster. Absolute monster, blended in really well. Uh, have you been, have you been to Lembe? No, but I've seen huge frogfish in Philippines. Lembe is it's the critter capital of the world. If you if you if you're into critters, for me, it's it's certainly the best place in Indonesia. Oh, uh, I, th- I think Ambon has a little battle with it. Um, on a scale of one to ten, I, I'd rate Lembe at nine. I would rate Ambon at eight. Really, and Bali about north coast of Bali, right places about seven. So I, re- I reckon Ambon and Lembe flick flack first and second position. I, I, I've got to tell you the story about Lembe. So I, <laughs> I, I spent, I think it was twelve days there uh, on the back end of a trip from Sarong to through Halmahera mm-hmm. to Lembe. So we went all the way through the the top end of Indonesia, mm. and then got to Lembe and we stayed there for yeah twelve days. So uh, the first couple of days we're going out, which is just uh, me and this uh, mate of mine. Uh, we had our own little uh, boat and a guide. And, you know, you're going down there and you're finding all this sort of stuff. They point stuff out to you. On about the day four, day five, the dive guy said to me, what would you like to see today? I thought he was joking. I, mm. I really thought he was joking. What would you like to see? And I said, well, I'd like a um, uh, flamboyant cuttlefish, please. <gasps> so he said, well, just a minute. So he gets on his phone and he starts phoning around. I said, okay. You know. <laughs> so I, I, thought he was, I honestly thought he was winding me up. Yeah. You know, I thought he was winding me up. So... I didn't say anything. Off we went. One particular site, in we go. I'm trying to find it. Yep. So th- there's like this network of guides there, and because they're in the water every day, mm. on all the, the, you know, there's numerous different sites. They know what's there. So the, the guide so you know said to him, "Well, go down here, turn, and you'll find it." Mm. And sure enough, down we went, and he found it. Wow. So the next day, you know, <laughs> I'd be lit. Well, I'll have one of these and one of these, <laughs> but. You know, what would you like to see today? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. I had a similar experience in Ambon. That's why I say a battle between the two. Oh, well. <laughs> the, the boys were just as good in Ambon as they were in Lembe, and I think it's that, it's that, it's that passion in it. And if there's a group of them that are willing to communicate with each other, That's everybody the thing. wins. That's the thing in, um, in Lembe. There, there, there's like this 
bush network, yeah. bush telegraph thing that goes yeah. on, and they share information. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, great. Mm. Yeah, I found that in the Philippines. So I did Malapasca Pasqua. Where yeah, Pasqua. Pasqua, where they've got the thresher sharks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did get to see a thresher shark. Have you ever seen those? No. No. Wow, they're amazing, but they don't like to come very close. So you do end up seeing them from a distance, but still and amazing. It's, it's like you're in the water at five o'clock in the morning or something. You are in the water, and you're almost you're at thirty meters, and yeah, you're you're in a two mil though because it's like thirty degrees water. It's amazing, so you don't mind. It's like a bath. Did you, Did you get the early morning wake up with the chucks? Yes, yeah. There's a shit ton of them on that island. There's so many. Yes. Yeah. Well, I got there. Yeah, well, the rooster. 2000, 2013, I think. And um, everyone went to bed at like eight o'clock at night. <laughs> the island was. Did you dive in at five in the morning? It was, it was desolate. I'm like, Jesus Christ, didn't we meant to have a beer with here? Oh, I wanted to have a whiskey later as well. Yeah. But everyone had gone to bed, so I just went to bed early. Yeah, we were but, doing like uh, four or five times a day. Yeah, 3 30 in the morning. You got these bloody chucks on the go, roosters. A gazillion of them. I think. I think the the, the world has been, you know, they, they've dumped their chucks on on Malapasqua. Oh, it's such a experience. Did you you didn't see the threshers though? Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. Although you get a whole bunch of divers that get very overexcited and pile on top of each other, and then they just swim away. The, yeah. Yeah. So that was annoying. Did they have they put a? I heard they put a, a like a metal line in, so you can't cross over into the. Yeah, they do, but it doesn't area. stop some people. Really? Yeah, it really doesn't. And that's the same when you see a manta. You see people, you're just meant to just, you know, just go right down to the bottom and just observe and let them come to you. But everyone just seems to chase after them and then they just swim away. Yeah. So it's that, yeah. But, um, as yeah, in Malapasqua, that's where I saw my first, um, oh, what do you call those creatures that can have the little pinches where they can penetrate Oh, I've lost for words. Thank you. Mantis shrimp. Oh, mantis shrimp. Yeah, yeah. you know those mantis shrimps? They're amazing. You mean amazing. the dudes that can punch really quick? They can punch really quick. Yeah. yeah I, f- I saw that on a night dive in Malapasqua. And, uh, yeah, and then in Cabalau, that was Critter Central. Did you go to Cabalau? No. Critter Central, where I saw all the little pygmy seahorses, yeah. which you can only see in, through a camera lens. It's so tiny. Like millimeters. You must try taking a photograph of them. The most dangerous creature in the sea. The pygmy seahorse is the most dangerous creature in the sea, in my experience. It is? Yes. Why is that? I've got into more deco trouble. (laughs) 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 I'm serious. They have this incredible ability to know when you're about to press the shutter. And they turn away. Yeah. Oh, so right. you know, uh, with a long lens, uh, with a macro lens, it's like looking through the long wrong end of a telescope. Yeah. Trying to find these things, you know, and then <laughs> you finally find it, and you get you get it in focus, and you're ju- just about to capture the front cover of National Geographic, <laughs> <laughs> and it turns. It's you know, with a little flick of the hair as well. It's gone, and then yeah, and then. You know, here you go again. And the next thing, beep, 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 you know. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's I happened want... to me multiple times in multiple locations. Yeah. They're, they're incredibly photogenic. Yeah. Love them to pieces, but you can really burn through the time you get. And you get so fixated on trying to capture the image mm. that you forget where you are and you forget about your decor and all the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like hammerheads for me. I'm. They usually go down to the deep and I'm usually chasing them. 
and then you, your computer's beeping at you. Yeah. We've all been there. I was really disappointed, Don. I really wanted to hear that they were poisonous or something or little ninjas that... <laughs> little underwater <laughs> ninjas. <laughs> no, they're just deadly. <laughs> Only two underwater photographers. Oh, so they must be your kryptonite. Yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah. Stick with the big stuff, mate. You know, the eyes are, the eyes are getting older as well, so it's, it's easier to go on the big stuff. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen a mandarin fish? Yeah. Aren't they beautiful? Fantastic. They do their little dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, did, if I, did, you, did you do them in Banda? Yeah, and yeah. I, I have a story. Well, I bet you do. <laughs> so, so there was myself and this French uh, friend of mine. She's female, but really good, just a, a good personal friend. Yeah. And uh, we did the night dive uh, in Bandanera yeah. to, uh, to do the – it's late afternoon to do the mandarin fish hmm. and then turns into a night dive. So we um, we finished the dive. We drifted all the way along and we got out. We walked into the hotel and had a beer. Yeah. <laughs> <All> dive gear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they didn't burn an eyelet. It's Indonesia. No. Did, you know, we just sat outside in all our dive gear. So we have two uh, bintang. Bintang bazaar, please, do it. Did, did, did they ask you to remove all the sea urchins from your, from your shins first? <laughs> they didn't even, you know, they didn't even bleed. just seemed like kind of normal. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, uh, then we had to pay, and who had some money, you know, not me. So, luckily, somebody was passing who knew us and lent me 100,000. Yeah. That's exactly where I saw him as well. Yeah. Do you know, I've, this week has been devastating for me because when COVID hit, I was over in Dallas waiting to go to um, Galapagos. Really? I was en route and they closed the borders when I was in Dallas and I had to turn around and come back to Sydney. So they pro- postponed it to this week. Mm. So I've had to witness on social media my dive buddies who I was meeting there to travel with doing Galapagos. Nice. So they have seen everything. <laughs> They've seen the hammerheads. They have seen humpback whales, mantas, underwater guaranas. Not guaranas. That's a drink. Iguana. Guaranas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad I can't speak. <laughs> a lot of caffeine in that mad tea. <laughs> oh, oh, my. So I've never hated and loved people at the same time <laughs> as much as I've, I've done this week. I'm very envious. It looks amazing, that trip. It's it's, it's actually fantastic. And um, I, I don't know if I told you, Don, um, I, I did have a Galapagos expedition ready for yeah. October 2019, and obviously Rona stepped in and screwed it all up. So I cancelled it across to um, this year. In fact, what year are we in now? Jesus. Twenty one. So so yeah, so twenty was the original October date. Twenty one I moved it I moved it back to October twenty one. And then um my old muckers over at Blue O two said, Yeah, well, not sure how this is going for later in the year. And they were good enough to let me put it back again. So as frustrating as it is, I've put it back to July twenty three. Um, just to make sure, rather than doing it year by year. And and everyone's happy that's that's going on it. Um, mm. However, uh, it did give me the opportunity to have the entire boat again. Mm. So I've now got another four spots on that one. Mm. So 2023. 2023. July 2023 in the in the crossover of the seasons. So yeah. hopefully we get everything, including the whale sharks. As in well. October? 
No, July. July. Please. See, I want to go in March to actually see the schooling hammerheads. Isn't uh, you, that when they're there? Yeah, but you can see it in July as you well. You can see it in July? Yeah. We did, okay. Chaz and I did April, and um, there's loads of hammerheads. Yeah. But, you know, you see it a couple of times, and then you start to look around for other stuff. So if you're doing it in the crossover between the seasons, yeah. then you've got the chances of everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's why we've gone for the July time. What about next year? Have you got anything... Next year, I've, to be honest, I don't think it's a wise decision to plan an expedition mm. next year. Mm. Um, yes, certain locations are going to be opening up again, mm. but they'll be few and far between and there will be difficulties. Yeah. So even my travel company, I've put a curtain over it and um, I don't book anything unless it's previous customers and friends. Yeah. And I'll, I'll reopen that once it's, once it's suitable to do so. But next year, I think it's going to be a struggle. Yeah, I'm. Everything I had planned, I had several big trips for this year, all booked mm. and reserved and everything, and all of them have gone back into next year now. Yeah. Mm. And it starts in late February in Cabo, yeah. Mexico. That seems to be operating there. So if I can mm. get there, I think it'll work. But then I've got uh, two back to back trips in, can't even say it properly, Tuba, Tuba, it's in the Philippines. Yeah. Uh, you can only get there at, um, for a couple of months a year. So it's I've the got... Philippine sardine run, effectively. Yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. And then um, uh, stuff in, not in the Americas and South America. I'm doing the Southern Right Whales in Argentina, mm. hopefully. And that's the problem. It's, it's not the fact that the operators aren't there. It's the getting there. And, yep. you know, that, that Galapagos, Galapagos trip I mentioned, the difficulty there is that I've got people yep. coming from seven different countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not going to guarantee that they're all going to get there. No. And from Australia to that side of the world? Yeah. Mm. Well, Americans can travel. Yeah, but that's America and South America. Yeah, they kind of work hand far. in hand, don't they? We're very fortunate here that there's almost zero community transmission mm. right now. Uh, what is happening seems to be directly related to the quarantine facilities. Seems yeah. to be. Yeah. Um, the vaccine rollout is happening, um, and I think you know everything is pointing to the fact that we should be able to start travelling next year. I yeah. think. I was—I was, I was going to ask. I'm surprised you've not had it yet. You know, I thought the OAPs got hit first. <laughs> 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 right i think we'll wrap it up gang uh we've been going for well over an hour mm. and um lisa thank you very much for coming on the show can i just say don i i didn't ask you and i've asked you mm. this matt but um have you seen the documentary about I wanted to end our um, session with a joke, but I just I keep laughing at my own jokes. I'm really bad at it's telling something about cons, 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 cons. Yes, have you try, seen? Try again. Okay. Go, on, go on. Have you seen the documentary about constipation? No, I haven't. That's right. It hasn't come out yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my favourite joke. See, Shepherd, this is your representative. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And on that note, could I buy a T-shirt, please? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, gang, uh, it, it's, a, it's a trial kind of episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, 
maybe we'll 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 see how many you know if we get ten or twelve people listen to it, then maybe we will do it again next month, eh? <laughs> if we never hear it, it was shit. <laughs> guys, thanks for being on the show. Thanks Been for having fun. us. Thanks so much. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This is Scuba Goat Under the Sea, the podcast for the inquisitive diver.